Welcome to a very special episode of Entertainment Geekly, your guide to all things sci-fi, fantasy, superhero, uh, supervillain, and just generally awesome. Uh, I'm Darren Franich. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, my colleague, maybe my nemesis. We'll see how today turns out. EW's Jeff Jensen. Darren, how are you, man? Jeff, I'm doing fantastic. I'm so excited that we are recording today. We're going to be talking about uh, a movie and a character that I know we have a, a lot of a lot of things to say uh, about the new Man of Steel, the the Superman reboot, which comes from the brain trust of Christopher Nolan, Zack Snyder, David Goyer, big names attached to this movie. Uh, it has a, to date, I believe, it has made 125 million dollars over the weekend seems likely to uh, basically begin not just one new Superman franchise, but to lead into a whole elaborate series of franchises for DC, which may or may not include my favorite character, Martian Manhunter. I, I think they, they might get to that around 2020 or so. Uh, so but, you, you really think Man, uh, Man of Steel is the gateway drug for Martian Manhunter? I mean, I, I mean listen, I'm, I'm not saying that's the next one up, but if Marvel can get to Guardians of the Galaxy, certainly they can find their way to getting to a Marvel Manhunter movie. Jeff, he's so powerful. He's like Superman, but he also has telepathy and the ability to shape change. America is finally ready for Martian Manhunter, I think. <laughs> right, all right. Um, but Jeff, let's let's get right into Man of Steel here. We've both seen it. We have both written very long pieces about it. We don't usually write long things, Jeff. We're usually men of few words, a la Hemingway or Jonathan Kent. But uh, I wrote something about Man of Steel. I was a little bit disturbed by the ending of the movie. You wrote something about Man of Steel. You saw a lot in there that I didn't see. I want to just like, like talk first baseline here. You know, obviously this is a movie that we've both been anticipating for a really long time. The you know this sort of do over attempt at recreating the Superman mythos. What, what were your kind of you know what, were, what was your initial takeaway from the movie? What, what did you think about it? Well, I I think like everyone, I I came out of that theater physically shell-shocked by it uh, <laughs> um, for better and, and for worse. Um, there, when I walked, my, my initial takeaway was that it gave, uh, there was a lot I liked about it. Um, it is for me like undeniably one of the great, great superhero action movies of all time. You know, like the, the, the spectacle of the fighting is just, if you like that stuff, and I do like um, it, it. It was awesome. I thought that visually, I just loved the look of the movie. I think that this is um, one of Zack Snyder's best-looking movies. I was just sort of like, uh, like lost in sort of like the, the the visual storytelling of a lot of it. Not not all of it, but of a lot of it. I thought it was well cast, and I thought that it had. Um, I thought the story, by and large, was pretty sturdy up to a point, and then I thought that thematically, like it, it was, it was steeped with a lot of questions and characterizations that I that captured my imagination. I loved the question of how would the world really respond if someone like Superman manifested. 
Um, it's sort of like, and as I explored in my essay, I thought it was equally intriguing you know, this movie, which traffics a lot of Christian allusions and Christ-like imagery, and in and 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 in a lot of ways, the story of of, of Superman in this movie in particular, sort of like kind of like takes from the the, the narrative of Jesus in some ways and metaphorical ways, but how it uses that story to sort of like dramatize, illustrate, illustrate like certain sort of. Uh, like problems that people have with with God in general, like the problem of evil, um, why does he remain hidden, etc. I really liked thinking about those things. Um, my disappointments with the movie, I think, are going to be yours. So before we go there, I'd love to know what what did you like, if anything, about this movie? Well, you know, uh, Jeff, a lot of what you're saying I agree with just a little bit. I think that along the outskirts of this movie, there were some very interesting ideas. For me, a few of the reinterpretations of Superman, because, you know, I want to say right away, I, I, I... I would hate for my critiques of the movie to to be read like, oh, they changed this from the comic, because obviously that's really boring. And in fact, one of the things I liked most about it was their portrayal of young Clark Kent. I actually thought those scenes were the most effective in the movie, just because, you know, obviously the classic interpretation of Clark Kent, if I recall correctly, he was kind of this all-American guy. You know, there were always like, you know, these panels of him playing football at Metropolis University or Smallville University, wherever it was. And I really felt like in this movie, it sort of built off a lot of different reinterpretations. And he almost kind of had this really fearful young boy. I, I kind of thought for a second that they were almost making this intriguing sort of autism analogy when he was first experienced experiencing his superpowers. I thought the scene of um, him and, and Ma Kent of Diane Lane kind of coaxing him back from this sort of scary superpower assault was really, really interesting. Uh, I have to just say, though, I mean, I, I kind of looked at this movie in two different ways. One, as a guy who likes movies, and one, as someone who, you know, I can't help it, I know a lot about Superman. I, I'm, I'm always intrigued by new versions of that. As someone who likes movies, I thought this was a horribly made film. I mean, I I, I I thought that I liked Zack Snyder. I guess I, I thought that this was still the guy who made Dawn of the Dead, a movie I really like, and 300, a movie that, if nothing else, is visually really interesting. But I, I gotta say, this movie, it kind of just looked like neon sludge after a while. And, and a lot of the kind of action scenes at the end, especially, it just felt like a lot of sort of undifferentiated digital people punching each other. I, I, I was surprised because I, I thought that, you know, one thing that I could depend on, you know, one of the best things about the no and Batman, even if they kind of went a little bit off the rails, was that you know you really had this feeling of this 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 weight. I mean, like you know the Batmobile was this weighty thing, and whenever Batman punched someone, it sounded like cannon fire going off. And this one, you know, the last hour of the movie, it's almost two movies in a way. There's one movie that I kind of like that has a lot to do with what you're talking about. This sort of really interesting double retelling of the origin of Superman and you know the kind of Christ story. And then there's the second half of the movie, which is I, I I I felt like I was watching like I felt like I, I was watching a video game that I wasn't playing and that also looked pretty bad. So I in in that sense I, I was very disappointed by it. And then you know there was there was one I I kind of just had the feeling that I don't really know that they. 
I don't know if they, that they wanted to make a Superman movie, to be honest, because a lot of what I think defines the character they took out, which is totally fine, but they didn't really add in a lot in its place. So it, it felt it was a very empty experience for me, to be honest. <laughs> I was uh, I, I, I I was hoping for more and uh, didn't really have that. And it's too bad because, you know, I, I think that you're right, that the cast was really incredible. I, I, as a kind of brain experiment, I've been trying to imagine if Brian Singer's Superman could have had this cast. I think that would have been a much more interesting Superman movie than either of those two combined, but what are you going to do? Yeah, yes and no about that point. I mean, to the to the, the Superman Returns versus Man of Steel question, I like that they formally broke from the Richard Donner universe. Totally. Um, the, the, the mistake for me in the Brian Singer version of Superman wasn't um, Brandon Routh or, um, or, or, or the casting, really, but was a depiction of villainy that that um, that just like I, I just didn't buy. It's oh. sort of like 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 here in the 21st century, you just I just don't think you can really have villains like Gene Hackman's Lex Luthor and Kevin Spacey certainly menaced him up a little bit. But you know, I just I. I uh, but here's but, but here's my question. Wait, 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 sorry, sorry, sorry. Like you know, I'll let you come back to it. Like. Um, <laughs> Um, so I just I just think that tonally that just doesn't work anymore. Um, so so the, the, that's why I kind of think that I, I I can't agree with your recommendation that hey let's just swap casts and things and, and that might be a, a better movie. I would I would I, I would I would much prefer that someone made a different movie with different casts all around. So I I, I want to throw that out there. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, where I'm where I'm in agreement with you on this movie is just when the movie. Um, reaches that place to, that it could really start digging into the questions that capture your imagination. Like, how would the world um, deal with um, someone like Superman? Would they be afraid, like the whole movie tells us we'd be? Or might we respond to him differently? Um, like, uh, it, the movie is, is, is taken hostage um, by its force of antagonism, Zod. So right at that moment, Zod shows up on Earth, and basically says, give me the Man of Steel, um, or else I'm going to kill you all. Yes. And, um, and so it, it feels like it subverted its own question. How would we respond? Well, like, like you're, you're giving us like this, 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 this evil guy, and what we want you to do. How do we respond to Superman? Well, please go take care of him. Thank you. <laughs> feel like a fair experiment you know yeah. it feels like it feels like the movie is setting you up for an experiment that it just fails to execute because they they, they throw in an element that completely tam- was going to tamper with the result and so that's like that, that that's too bad that said i do think that the question remains they can explore it and maybe it's a little bit more interesting the next, like in the con, in a post Zod world, which is like, um, but we'll, we'll see because you know these movies need a big bad force of antagonism. So it'd be interesting to see if the next movie has the guts to be smaller and more quiet, where it deals with like, okay, well now we got a, uh, you know, now we got Doctor Manhattan walking around among us, and we don't have a war to fight, and we don't have a big bad, and. What do we do with this guy? And do we let him go and fight the petty crooks that Superman fought in, like, his first adventures? Like, or, or do we tell him, 
no, 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 you, you can't meddle in, in ordinary human affairs. You could only meddle in, like, with the brainiacs of the world that are going mm-hmm. to invade, mm-hmm. you know? Like, so, I mean, I, I think the question is, is, is on the table a little, remains on the table. I was disappointed they didn't sink more deeply into the, that um, in, in, in this movie. And, yeah, you're right, like... For me, I don't. I didn't mind the imagery. I didn't. I didn't mind the, the fight scenes. Uh, I just minded that there was so much of them, and I think you put your finger on it. It becomes sort of this non-stop, like brawl. Yeah. Um, from from you know about halfway through the movie, where there there is no there's no form and there's no like move. You know, there's any. It's just like on eleven all the time, and you, what you want is a more nuanced, and you want ebbs and flows and quieter moments and all of that, and uh, and it's um, yeah, it's there, there's just too much muchness. Yeah, there. well, well, and wow. and you know, to to your point also, one of the most frustrating things about the movie, I thought, and again, you know, I, I sort of I think I understand what they were trying to do with this movie, because you know, I I remember um, there was a behind the scenes thing that came out, this sort of 13 minute video about the movie that was released about a week before the film came out. In this movie, literally everyone attached to it uses the word realism or reality 20 times. So I, I definitely felt this notion of, you know, we're not kind of doing the, the Richard Donner, which was, you know, always a more kind of glamorous depiction of Superman. We're, we're really trying to be as quote-unquote realistic as possible. I'll be honest, I think if you're aiming for realism with a movie that begins with a 15-minute prologue set in a, in a world that vaguely resembles the future from Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. I think you're already kind of shooting yourself in the foot a little bit. But I, I did have the sense that by focusing on realism, you know, you know, Superman does have other powers besides the ability to punch people. And I, I sort of felt like the weird thing was, you know, as you're seeing him fight these people who are kind of nominally his equals, I feel like y- y- you keep on waiting for him to do something interesting that's not just like being shot at and then punching back. And I, I don't know. Again, I-, I sort of felt like in some ways it was a very thuggish movie, which is especially interesting because, you know, to me, one of the defining things about uh, Christopher Nolan's Batman films is that they're they're quite the opposite. I mean, those are films where people, you know, talk and talk and talk at length about really fascinating interesting issues and you know people kind of have their you know it's easy to sort of make fun of them when they kind of go too far off the philosophical deep end but I would have expected more of that I I guess that's why I'm sort of you know I'm intrigued though because you know I I feel like you really saw a lot in the movie that I sort of felt like was either unexplored or it was just sort of left hanging and I, I I found that all very I don't know, very frustrating. It it felt in some ways like a very hateful movie, if I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> oh, well, well, no, no, well, uh, I, I, I don't think you can actually support that. I, How, like, I, I understand that you're defeated by it. I understand that you're worn down by it. I understand <laughs> that it is ultimately a really, like, uh, brutal film in the sense of, like, there's a lot of people throwing each other through buildings um, there's not a lot of doting on uh, acknowledgement on all and whether or not there are any sort of casualties of all of this business. Sure, which and is, it, that's... And, 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 it, and it, from a spectacle, sensational point of view, 
um, it is it is unrelenting pounding. So yes, it, <laughs> it, 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 it's brutal. You know, whatever. I I I don't know if it's a hateful unless you're saying that you hate the movie. No, I don't know how it's promoting hate. I, I okay, uh, that is the wrong word. I I think uh, the better word would be sociopathic. This and it's weird because you know how is it sociopathic? Okay, I will I will I will explain it exactly. Or or let's just call it accidentally sociopathic. So to me, uh, what I wrote about in my piece which I'd like to try to explain the piece a little bit more here because I know people are already, like, you know, calling for my head, which is, you know, par for the course. I, I sort of feel like at the end of the film, spoiler alert here, although presumably if you're listening to this, you've probably already seen the movie, uh, you know, the end of the film sees Superman, he punches Zod a few more times, they get to this point where Zod is about to use his heat vision to kill a human being, and Superman then kills him. Now, this is not the first time Superman has killed someone in, you know, the history of comic books, the history of the movies. But I, I sort of feel like in the past, when Superman has sort of broken his quote-unquote code and killed someone, it really carried a lot of weight to it. I, I, felt, I feel as if, you know, in Alan Moore's kind of classic Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow, or even in John Byrne's uh, run where Superman in 1987 killed this sort of pocket universe version of Zod, there was this real sense of transgression there. There was this sense of, you know, here is a superhero who has a code, he has now broken this code, and that is a damaging thing. That is something that will really change him. That is something that will kind of force him to really rethink everything about himself. Now, in this movie, you know, so they take this comic book plot point and really reset it in a radically different context. Um, First and foremost, because it's now a part of Superman's origin story. So, you know... We, we essentially see him make the decision, split decision, you know, I need to kill this person now. And when it happens, you know, I don't get the sense that it really affects him at all. I mean, you know, he, he cries out and Lois Lane runs over and defends him. And then one scene later, it's like, you know, you see him flying around and, he, and he's joking with the head, uh, you know, general, uh, whatever his name is from Dollhouse. Stop, 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 stop. Okay, I know where you're going with this. You've, I think you've said it. Like, my... Can I start criticizing this? Oh, 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 okay, but let me just finish off this this okay. one point because this is actually important. Most of what I say, Jeff, is not important, but this is this is a rare example where it is. In that scene, he says something very similar, actually, to what Iron Man says in Iron Man Two, which is U.S. government. You can't control me, don't try, but don't worry, you can trust me. Essentially, he's saying, and the movie, I believe, goes right along with this, hey guys, I'm Superman, you know that I'll always use my powers for good, and the fact that this is happening right after we've just seen him decide to execute someone. Now, maybe justified, the, the way it's set up in the movie is so ridiculous that of course it's justified. It, it's, like on, it's like on 24 when Jack Bauer needs to torture someone because a nuclear bomb is about to go off. Fine. You've just seen this very, I, I think at least, a very serious sort of moral ethical quandary, and it's resolved with him just saying, like, come on, guys, I'm Superman, you know me, and I, I think that uh, I, 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 it's strange because that's the kind of thing that in the Batman movies would have been, you know, debated to death, and the fact that it's not, I, I I don't think they know that it's a crazy thing for Superman to kill someone. <laughs> so feel right, are, feel free to done? I'm I, I'm done. done. I'm done. Deconstruct are away, you, Jensen. You're crazy. 
you are being disagreeable for the sake of disagreeable and picking on things on a movie that you just simply didn't like, which you're completely entitled to do. Like, uh, you're also completely entitled, and I will never, ever say that you're wrong about this, for simply just not liking this characterization of Superman. Like, I'm absolutely fine with it. But to basically imply that there is no internal logic of the movie that justifies the assassinate that the killing of Zod um, is crazy. Moreover, like to also further say that he immediately moves to another emotional modality of like not caring about that death um, with a scene with the, with with the dumb scene with those with those two military people. He's 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 kind of hot. Not, not playing fair with Darren. We are not playing fair with in your plot synopsis. It's clearly comma. Time has passed. So sure. it's not like it's like he immediately goes and that like flirts with the military shit. But, but, but like, we can – okay, but Jensen, at least agree with me on this. We can only go off of what we see in the movie. So, but, you're, but, you're, but you're holding it to some a literal, to a literalism, um, it, you know, distinction without a difference. You know, it's just like <laughs> it, it's, you're, you're, you're being so literal because you don't want to like this now. You're fine for not liking it, but like well, – so what, 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 I, what I agree with is – this is why I disagree with you. I think that the intent is clear. The execution is bad, you know, in the sense of, like, it's unclear. It's like, I think that they try some compressed storytelling that deserves to be uh, unpacked. So, in the moment when Superman kills Zod, he clearly screams with a kind of existential agony that says, I really don't want to be doing this right now. I'm like, this is not the way that I want to go about this. And then he's comforted by Lois and seen. That's not enough. But the intent is there. He is clearly conflicted by this. That said... I have no problem with this man killing this man because he is going to kill all of us. You got the stakes of the movie. But but, but but this is you understand, but, but this is you where understand that Zod, that Superman and Zod, the way that we are presented with is the situation in which like they are equally matched people and, and, and this fight is just gonna go on and on and on until they together destroy the world or until one of them finally gets a break and kills the other. And then if it's the bad guy, he is going to kill all of humanity. The stakes are clear. Like, this is a global problem. This is not just a little police action that's happening in Metropolis and it will end here and he will fly, the bad guy will fly away. Like... Zod is not going to stop. I think this is pretty clear. No, Jeff, Jeff. is in this position where he has the advantage, and Zod is basically kind of like daring him to, like, either finish this or die. You know what I mean? Or he's going to kill people. And so there's almost a little bit, by the way, we'll we'll get to this in a second. No, I won't won't say this now. I just think that, like, Superman in that moment, um, I have further rationalizations for this, but it's just a simple fact that, like, (laughs) But, 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 but the simple fact that, like, Superman recognizes that he has an opportunity to end this. And if it doesn't end, it's bad news for everyone. And he kills the guy. It's war. It's total war. The fate of, of, of the future of humanity is at stake. 
This death is completely justifiable. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry, Jeff. I just, I just think this is... For you is... to actually argue otherwise that Superman, any iteration of Superman in the history of Superman, would never make this situation, that he would cling selfishly to these ideals of, I'm never going to kill somebody. Cling selfishly? You know, that's one of the most potent parts of Superman, is that he's better than everyone. That's completely one of the... No, here's, here's the problem with it, is the filmmakers set up a completely ridiculous situation here. You have just zeroed in on the thing that actually bothers me the most about your criticism. I, I reject any, any, any criticism of this movie that says that Superman should do I, something. I completely agree, and this is why I started my piece saying it is annoying to argue. But 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 hear me out. Okay, okay, fine then. F- fine then. Then Jeff, listen. I will admit, if their intention with this movie was just to make a thuggish action movie about a guy with a lot of superpowers from from the planet Krypton who makes the easy choice and the easy narrative choice to kill someone, then that's fine. They succeeded. If they're going to call this movie Superman, and more to the point, Jeff, if they're going to drape this movie in a ridiculous sense of Christ imagery of morality. If they're going to essentially argue, at the same time they're saying, this guy is just a person like the rest of us, if they're also going to play the game of, but also, you know him, he's Superman, of course he's good, I think that is artistically unfair. I think they're taking, I I, I think that... You're adding up one plus one plus one and adding and and arriving at like a negative 19, that doesn't make any sense. I'm I'm sorry, but like... You're You're not reviewing the movie, you're reviewing the movie that you want it to be through a didactic view of what you believe Superman think, should be for all people. I think that is, I, I think that is enemy, unfair. enemy of interesting ideas here, Darren. That, okay, okay, I, Jeff, I, again, I, I, I want to say again, I am totally down with any kind of reinterpretation. I just felt like, first of all, if you're so defending their ability to do something new, then the fact that they literally have just restated one of the old, you know, one of the kind of old stories in Superman lore from, like, the General Zod stuff, the fact that they couldn't be as original as as you think they were, speaks a lot about them as filmmakers. But more to the point, I honestly think that they can't... They're not allowed to have their cake and eat it too. They're not allowed to sort of say, hey, everyone, this is a character where you know everything about him and you know he's absolutely good, but also we're going to complicate that in a very specific way. And if you if you argue with us, you know, essentially, if, they, like, if you argue with them in, in any direction, it's like Proteus, they'll shift around. If you say, as I'm saying, well, that's a reinterpretation of Superman that I honestly don't think really holds up, they say, oh, come on, we're doing something new, geez, you know, we're trying to not be Brian Singer here. If in if in turn you say, well, geez, like you know, that doesn't really hold together as far as the plot of the I'm movie not, goes. I'm not saying, I, I don't know what the filmmakers are going to say. Here's what I say: I say that that decision he makes in the movie is completely consistent and makes sense in the context of the stakes of the movie and the Superman that we've been presented. Walk with. me walk me through it then. Who who is this Superman that we're presented with in Man of Steel? All right, well, let me this? ask you this. Where the hell is this moral code that this Superman has that you keep on talking about? Where did he get it? Like, what, what is his moral code? Who did he learn it from? How is he expressing all of this stuff? Where did, like, ch- walk me through that, Darren. Like, if he is this sort of, like, if he has all of these values that add up to, I'm never going to kill someone, even someone who wants to kill billions of people on the face of this planet, even in the face of that, I will not, someone else can do it, he's just going to have to kill me first. 
first. I am not going to be the guy to do it. Tell me where this man learned that value. To be honest, this guy, this version of Superman we see, as much as they might think that he does have some kind of code, maybe he doesn't. Again, I mean, if, 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 if he's... If, so you're if, starting if, to argue my point now, because that's what's interesting about the film. The film presents us with a very different kind of Superman cow. Yes, a sociopathic that's thug who mostly uses his, his powers of punching people. I, I agree. No, that, no, is, no, that is a bold no, no, interpretation. No, no, that's, that's the other part of this about your review that you wrote that you never deal fairly or honestly with. I refer to specifically to like not really dealing with the Jonathan Kent upbringing of all and characterizing his lost years as his 20-something as merely a metaphor for 20-something lost uh, like joblessness where he's like, I don't know what I want to do professionally for my life. I think that it's also very, a metaphor. I think we're very clearly presented with a guy who has been who has who has been taught that the world is a, a, a fearsome place that's going to hate him. But more, but more than that, has been has been given this really complicated. Previous Superman movies, previous Superman stories have argued that the character of Superman comes from the values that were instilled in him by his parents, Jonathan and Martha Kent. And they taught him to be disciplined with his powers. They taught him the kind of character and heart that he should have. They instilled in him a worldview of how he should regard and, 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 and his relationship to the world. The Jonathan Kent that we get from this movie does not teach him any of that. He teaches him to be afraid of the world. He teaches him to sort of put his self-preservation above the, above the lives of other people. He makes heroism optional. Like, there, this, this moral code is no moral code at all. It's left for this man of steel to kind of, like, figure it out on his own. And he hasn't figured out anything out at all. He's, like been, he's glued together with guilt and shame, and um, that, that is sort of reinforced with this really provocative moment in which his father sacrifices his own life so that Superman has the freedom to not be a hero at all. So when he's now stuck, so I'm just saying, like, you keep on saying that this Superman should be this, should be that, and... So what I would say to help your criticism out a little bit more here, Darren, is that you need to sort of say that the whole movie needs to be rethought, you know, from, from the upbringing. If you, if you want a Superman who's not going to kill, you're going to have to give Superman parents who teach him, like, why that makes total sense. Otherwise, I think you get a movie where he acts exactly the way that um, that is completely consistent. That, that, that feels very commonsensical to me. Like it feels completely righteous. He killed a guy. He's to stop a guy, not out of like sociopathic, psychopathic, kill, 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 be a brute, which is what these words suggest. He kills him to solve a problem. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's a, if it's a decision that he grieves, which is, speaks highly of his character. And it's not something a sociopath would do, by the way, or a brute or a thug. Like he, like he clearly although not to your satisfaction, does not like this choice. But hey, no one blame, like you blame him for it. I don't blame him for I don't, it. I don't blame him for it, but let me ask you this, Jeff. So, okay, how many people need to be at risk for him killing someone to be the best option? Is it, is, is it when it's a city? Is it when it's a world? I mean, like, like what is... What are you talking about? It's the whole 
world. That's, well, a stick. That's, what, that's what we've been led to believe. Okay, so, so then you're telling me that from now on, whenever there's any supervillain threatening the world, which only happens, what, once every two weeks or so, then it's okay to kill someone. Other than that, Superman's not going to do that. He's, he's saving his, his, his super kill ability in, in his pocket for when he really needs it. I just, I feel like, and again, I, I want to make it clear here, to me, m- my critiques are very narrowed at the filmmakers because I think they chose the easy way and I think they made Superman choose the easy way. I mean, it just seems so ridiculous to me. Here was a character who, even within the movie... It's not ridiculous. Like, like, like help me out here, Derek, because I don't understand your, your... I think you're just kind of really punting to some really lazy adjectives here. Like, tell me how it's ridiculous in the sense of, like, the super... How, how, is, it, how is that decision illogical with the man that we've come to know like in this movie. I am I am willing to I mean like as you've kind of walked me through it Jeff, I am willing to uh, agree with you that yes, perhaps this Superman, this Clark Kent apparently has a very weird maybe no moral code at all, really. But if that's the case, but then it's not a moral code. Like you you make him sound like he's a total nihilist. Now look, that ending of that, the, the, the 60 minutes of throwing people through skyscrapers is pretty nihilistic. Like I I I understand like what I'm like, I think uh, what I'm trying to get at is I think I think that what I'm trying to like really say here is that I'm giving you permission to not like it. If you will enter into it a little more graciously, acknowledge nuances, acknowledge that it's not nearly this patently evil thing that you're saying, but also but but but, but just say it still doesn't work and I don't like it. Like, but that's not, but I have a feeling that's not what you want. You don't want to go there because you really what? want, you want to shame this that thing is, as, as that is completely, that is completely unfair. I, I, I am. Absolutes like should, Superman should be this, like you're going down that road. I think that the reason why I'm allowed to do that, and let me speak out here for a second, as I'm, as I appear to be flailing, is they are trading hugely on imagery that it, whatever kind of complicating factors let me let me let me let me he lives in a world where, uh, apparently, through the Bible, like through the, the scene with the uh, and, and the church, he the, the, the movie yes definitely trades for better or worse off of Christian imagery to give us a secular version of a God we can all like believe in or something like Wait, that. Wait, so so do you believe in this Superman though? Is, is, but see, the, the, Jeff, this is this is where this is where I'm getting a little bit confused because on one hand you're telling me this is a character; he is not the Superman you know, stop coming at this with 75 years of history. I'm fine with that. Then let's look at it from that perspective. When you start saying this is a secular version of a deity that we can believe in, that's where I get kind of confused. Speaking as, as an agnostic and an elapsed Catholic, I, what, what is there to believe in with this guy except, well, he's really confused and push comes to shove, he'll, 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 he'll ignite the, the fatality option if he needs to. I, I don't think that there's right, anything... Right, 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 let, let, let's agree here that, like, uh, I didn't characterize that well, and um, that I think that just in general, when you start mixing Jesus with superheroes like this, it, it, it just becomes extremely complicated to totally. wrap your mind around. As my way too long essay completely demonstrated. Like, um, but but look, what I what I what what I what I disagree with you on in is that like I think you're making some correlation between. Because the movie traffics in this imagery, ergo, 
Superman should behave like Jesus, and I don't necessarily believe that. Sure. Well, I mean, I mean, one thing that you make the case for in your piece, Jeff, if it's okay to kind of go into it, is I, I think it's fair to say you kind of read it in a very uh, in a very interesting sort of twist on what I was thinking, which is that this Christ imagery is not necessarily adding up to say that Superman is the Christ figure in the movie, right? In fact, it's right. quite quite the opposite. <laughs> Right. Like, yeah, I mean, like, uh, it's, uh, you know, the the piece is there to be read, and I want to be clear, I don't necessarily, didn't necessarily watch the movie with that lens. Like, I think that that stuff is there to be seen, and I, what I did was, I just simply went into the movie, identified all the Christian illusions that everyone else saw, but then thought through it in terms of what the story gives us, and kind of came to the interesting conclusion that it seems to me that this sort of like Superman, super Jesus kind of like figure is being used in some ways to criticize aspects of Christianity and religion in general. Everything from, um, like, you know, why does God remain hidden? to why doesn't God address more directly and everywhere the problem of evil, to whether or not turn the other cheek is like a sort of like, like a right and proper way to deal with the problem of evil, um, to sort of the whole business of being a cheerful giver, and what does that mean. So, like, and it kind of adds up to, for me, like a, a metaphor for uh, um, the, the movie ends up kind of standing for, especially like in the Superman versus Zod argument, um, sort of like a battle between sort of like in, in, inclusive philosophy versus exclusive dogma and blah, 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 blah. It's all there in the essay to read. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I found like it was u- appropriating Christian imagery to sort of like make some points that actually that I think like an atheist or at least a very liberal Christian um, or agnostic would would, would, would uh be very comfortable with totally, and I but, I, now, I. but now you see, you put out my angry fire by making me talk about my work here. What were we arguing well, about? Well, well, well. So, so I, I only bring it up, Jeff, because I think that everything you said is very interesting, and I, I, I actually do think that you make a compelling case up to a point. And for me, it all comes back around to how the film chooses to end, because I'm kind of willing to say that I'm intrigued by this notion of this kind of agnostic. Uh, this this agnostic retelling of this sort of messiah myth, if you will. Although I, I think you're right that it's wrong to necessarily just call this Jesus Christ Superman. Like there's there's there's, there's more there than that. But I think the problem is, if that is kind of the movie's purpose. I think it it really, for me, everything about the last 10, 15 minutes becomes a little bit troublesome because it doesn't really end on a note of any kind of confusion or any kind of agnosticism. It, it, it seems to me as if, and again, maybe I'm drawing too much from that terrible scene with fake Nick Fury at the end, but it's only because there's a lot in that scene that I think speaks to the overall purposes of this franchise. If you're going to play this game of this is an agnostic, existential, very troubled, you know, his two fathers are telling him very different things. I kind of lost track of what Kal-El was even kind of getting at after a while, you know, then I, I'm fine with that. If you say all of that and then end with image of Superman walking upright a few weeks later, like, General, please, I, I was raised in Kansas. Uh-huh. I, I, think, yeah. I, I think that speaks to a... A, a, a lack of ambition on the part of the filmmakers, if they were in fact going for that kind of agnostic sensibility. I, I... Uh, wait, 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 wait. 
back up there, put a period before you get the agnostic. <laughs> Seriously, as much as I wallowed in, in, in all of that in the essay, really let's subtract the Jesus and agnostic thing out of it, because I think it confuses this thing. Sure. But how, how you're articulating your complaints with the movie, I completely, right now, I completely respect. Okay. Where you, where you and I completely agree is... Like, so, so, for example, here's, 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 I, too, had a problem with the moment in which Superman kills Zod, not for the reasons that you did, because it seemed to me that, like, it seemed to me that I understood why Superman killed Zod. I understood what was at stake. I felt like what was, you know, that, that, that the fate of the world was at stake. Like, who knows how many people have died up to this point. We, we are led to believe that everyone will die at the hands of this super Satan, like if, if, if super Jesus, and here I am falling into the uh, thing. <laughs> it's, it's hard not but, to, man. <laughs> but, but, but doesn't succeed. What I had a problem with was the reason why, like, as, you, as I said before, I read angst in that decision to kill God, right? Whether uh, there should have been more, there should have been more. Like there should have been more unpacking of that moment where we kind of figured out how he feels about this. But this is the problem with the whole last hour of the movie, which is that we don't really have any insight into how he feels about what is going on here. So it does, there, there is another body of criticism out there, I think, that, that you don't necessarily go into in your essay, but is the other sort of major complaint with the last hour of the movie is that you never see Superman try to save someone, yes. right? Yes. He's having this huge brawl with Zod, throwing him through skyscrapers and stuff like that. And I do want to get to my defense of why Superman threw people through skyscrapers like that in a minute. But, like, um, but, but you see all of this, and besides this little cutaway to this moment of, like, Perry White and Jimmy Olsen and that other person, like, you know, like trapped underneath the, the stuff. You never get any sense of real casualties in the movie. So it's like, and I, I know that people have made a huge deal out of this, which is that, like, Superman should, again, we get into the shoulds, Superman should have been more concerned about the people whose lives were in jeopardy as a result of this destruction. Um, and he should have concentrated more on saving those than wanting to sort of like, you know, like throw Zod through buildings um, and all of that. And again, I bust on the should of it all. I buy that in the moment this man or anyone could get so lost in the problem of, of, of defeating this guy that all he can think about, especially when he's being relentlessly attacked by this guy, that he wouldn't have the omniscience or, or awareness to sort of like break and save people, especially if it turning his back on that guy is going to probably get him killed. You know, like, um, I, uh, but I do think that from a storytelling point of view, this is where the movie kind of makes the mistake. It's not about the shoulds. It's just about it, they could have just had a simple scene, Darren, where, 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 like, Superman communicates to that general, general, like, Christopher, you know, the guy from Law and Order, right? Or, yes, uh, yes, uh, yes. Chris, uh, Christopher Melanie, yes. There should have been some kind of moment where, where, where Superman says, have your men evacuate the city. Mm -hmm. I'll take care of Zod. You mm -hmm. know, like, and, and it still would have been 
useful than to see the city get evacuated. Well, and 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 also, you know, but, just but, but, just but that 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 should have happened. That should have happened, or else there should have been a moment where Superman sees people dying. You feel that torn between what am I what am I going to do? You know, in Superman two, when this happened. When, the, when, when, you know, there was that famous scene in, in remember, in Superman 2, where he starts battling Zod and the disco villains, and they get the best <laughs> of him in Manhattan, and, and, and Superman runs away. You remember that? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. Where Superman runs away, and everyone's going, oh, look, he's chicken, he's running away. And the disco villains start blowing everyone away with their super breath, you know. Mm-hmm. But there, then, we understood by the end of the movie that this was a tactical play, mm-hmm. right? It was about, like, as long as I stay in Metropolis, these people are going to kill more people. I'm going to leave now. They're probably going to kill a few more people, but they're more interested in killing me totally. than running away. So, and then he tricks them to go, and, and, and there's that whole bit of business at the end. Spoiler alert, I won't spoil it for you. But, you know, like, so, um, so, 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 so there's that. I would say, though, in the context of Superman 2, like, here was a guy who tactically was willing to let a few more people get injured and die for the sake of stopping them in general before they killed millions more, so or enslaved millions more. So, um, so I defend Superman's choice in this movie as a tactical decision of like, I just gotta find some way to stop this guy because if I don't stop this guy, we might be hurting and killing a lot of people right now. He's going to kill a lot more. You All right, know? now that's now that's fair, Jeff. But if you're going to critique me, perhaps somewhat accurately, for coming at this movie expecting a lot based on Superman past, I think I'm allowed to critique you and say you were reading a lot there that I don't think is present anywhere in the movie. I I don't really get any sense of Superman's tactics, frankly. I mean, if I follow the ending correctly, he just has that scene with the military where he says, "I'm going to go down to the South Pole or wherever and fight the tentacle monster or whatever." I I mean. Again, I'm 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 willing to go along with this interpretation of it, but I just I don't see much in the text that actually suggests that to me. And again, this is worrisome because I don't get the sense that anyone attached to this movie felt there needed to be anything like that. I, I disagree with that. I think the text is pretty clear. Superman and the military have clearly realized that Zod has set up two machines. One in Metropolis, one that's positioned on the other side of the Earth. They're like these gravity ter- machines, these terraforming machines, and they're basically going to like pound the. They're doing bad things to the Earth, yes. and they work in tandem. Right? Yes, yes, badness so is Superman, happening. Yes. Superman decides I can get to one, the one on the other side of the world faster than anyone. I'll take that one out. You take the other one out. This will dis- this will basically take off the table. Zod's plan to terraform the world. Like, so he takes that off the table, right? Yes. Um, and then, and so Zod's plan to turn Earth into... Um, New Krypton, yes. Again, is, is defeated. That is very clear. I don't understand how those machines work. You don't need to, Darren. Sure. Like, it just, like, it was, so that is clear. Now what we get to the situation is Zod is making it clear. He's mad. He has nothing left to live for except to just ba- basically kill Superman and kill this world that he's apparently fighting for. And so he's just going to, like, go psycho on the whole thing. And, uh, and, and, he's, and by the way, one of the things I love loved about that final fight 
And it's something that they could have done more because in the midst of the, uh, the, the sound and fury of it all, like it's just, it's, 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 it was a wonderful little character moment that kind of gets like smothered by all, everything, which is that, is that Zod is Superman activating during this final fight, and he's going crazy the way that young Clark did as a teenager. Mm-hmm. I loved that shot where Zod comes into heat vision and he starts just like incinerating that skyscraper, which to me did not read like, you know, you know, hear my mighty heat vision roar as I blast whatever. It's like, like what the heck is happening? Well, well, but, 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 but there again, there is something where I think just looking at this movie and the stakes that it sets up, I found it so frustrating because as you just said, this is yet another movie where the final plot point is, and then the bad guy becomes a psycho. And I, that just seems, so so lazy to me in some respects especially since you know I feel kind of bad because I do think that Michael Shannon could have played an interesting version of Zod and in that kind of extended Bill and Ted prologue on Krypton I did really feel this sense of you know this is a man who does have honor in some very tormented way you know this is like you know one of the kind of evil generals that kind of ran throughout Cold War movies where they were always kind of doing bad things for the sake of uh, you know whatever country they were from this was similar to that and then just to sort of slowly subtract that again it, it, it felt it felt so opposed to What's interesting about other Christopher Nolan superhero pictures, which is this notion that, you know, there's always, you know, the Joker always has another kind of, you know, there's always this sense of like the mastermind behind it all. And I just, you know, again, and that's sort of where not even comparing Zod to any of his comic book interpretations, this guy was just kind of boring. <laughs> you no, know? I mean, I, hey, look, sir, I, I, I can't, I can't criticize. I, I have no rejoinder for that. I mean, it's, it's another movie that feels in some way like some kind of 9-11 metaphor um, in which, like, um, Zod is either a, like, terrorism, uh, you know, fundamentalist terrorism, like, incarnate, you know, he wants to um, basically repopulate Kryptonian with only the true believer slash true-blooded, like, you know, people of his kind. Mm -hmm. Um, or he also, in, in, in another way that feels equally muddled to me, this movie kind of traffics in all of this, to some degree, suspicion, cynicism about the military, um, which, you know, we can or can't connect to in this country, you know. Um, and so he's a general, he's a warmonger, like it's time for, you know, like the hawks to go away. Yes, yes. And for the doves to rain. During- <laughs> it's it's, 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 time, it's time for the doves to rain with an iron fist. <laughs> Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, like, um, like I, I like Michael Shannon too. I think he actually brought a lot to this. It doesn't like mean that it's a great villain or an interesting villain. Psychopathy, then, like, just basically, I have nothing left to lose. I'm going to go crazy. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill everything that you love, and I'm going to kill this world. Is like completely logical and coherent within this movie, but still deeply unsatisfying. I, 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 I get that. I get your criticism of creativity. Like, hey, if we're going to do something original and um, whatever, I, I don't think that that justifies your criticism of, 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 and then therefore Superman shouldn't have killed this guy. Like, I just think that in this one regard, in this one element of the movie, yeah, like that's, that's, that, that, that's sort of disappointing. Can I just say real quick then, to, to, um, like, uh, you were disappointed, um, at, like, uh, the, the, the fighting. We keep on coming back to the fighting and the way Superman fights. 
Now, look, I'm going to offer you a rationalization. You will laugh me off the phone call. Jeff, I would, I would never do that. I would, I would, I, I would hide my laughter. <laughs> and, I, and I don't want anyone who's sympathetic to your argument believe for a minute that I actually think this wins the day. <laughs> uh, but, like, look, what, what, I, what, I, what I have thought about after the fact, I never thought about in the movie, is that we're dealing with a Superman who doesn't know how to fight because he's never trained to fight. He is never, he knows nothing about fighting. Um, he's been taught to actually run away from bullies, run away from conflict, that violence is whatever. He fights like me, man. If I, if I, if, if I was <laughs> Superman, like, like, and I was in that situation, I would probably feel like I was completely cornered and I would just go rabid psycho and I would fight dirty and I would fight flailingly and I would throw, like, if I had those powers, like, I would just be constantly going for the knockout punch by throwing him or tossing him blindly, wildly, without much thought, just to be done with him. And what's awful about all of this is that he can't. He's just as powerful as he is, courtesy of Kryptonian technology, and then become, because he becomes um, super activated himself. And so everything just escalates to this catat catastrophic level, you know? And, like, and so um, I, I, like, retroactively, like, look back on that and kind of go, if that's what they're going for, like, um, like, well, it's there on the screen because yeah. <laughs> there are there are no tactics. I just but, but there here, is pure there is pure just like brutality. But, Superman but, is not trained to be a fighter. He's just not, and it shows. But here again, I just I I think the problem we're left with here is Zack Snyder, who again I I, I sort of I, I, has made movies that I like in the past. I think he can't help but make everything look as cool as possible. He has that kind of David Fincher obsessiveness with just like the image just has to look perfect. Like, it's an advertisement that Don Draper came up with. And so everything you're saying, I, I, I believe it, but then I look at Henry Cavill, who early in the movie, it's established that he is a walking, gigantic mass of muscle. And so this, this idea that, you know, he's, he's this nerdy guy who doesn't know how to fight, it kind of reminds me of the scene in Not Another Teen Movie, where it's like, oh, look at her, she's ugly, she has glasses on and a ponytail. Like, yeah, sure, I, I, I you know, I, I think that... Uh, uh, there's no tactics in this movie because they couldn't be bothered. That's the, yeah, I, that's I, my I, own I, personal. I, I, I can't. I I just can't go that far. You know, like I I just don't like. I'm not. I feel wary of the criticism that criticism philosophy of criticism that's basically about casting aspersions on the values of filmmakers and to, to like like I just I just don't know if you're right or wrong. So I can't agree with you. What I agree with you in the sense of like, what, where I will rally around that is that I think that you get the same kind of criticism if you just say, you know, I, I, I'm disappointed with the storytelling for not telling me how Superman feels about all sure, of it. Sure, totally. Like, I, like there, there, that would have been an interesting moment if the movie just allowed itself to find moments like these to say to ourselves, what is his attitude toward the civilian casualties? What is his attitude toward death and killing? What is his attitude toward 
fighting in general? Does he know how to fight? Like, you know, does he think strategically like that? If, if, if you could have found just ways to sort of like illuminate and said, and so what, 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 what you're right in saying, as you said earlier in this conversation, is that you could only go with what the movie tells you, and we just don't have any of that in the movie. And so it leaves it open to like this kind of dissatisfaction. And, totally. Um, but, and, but now, but now, 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 Jeff, I'm so happy to hear you saying how right I am, but I, I, I do want to move on to like an actual, a really interesting point that I think you kind of touched on earlier, but it does seem like with this movie, there's, there has been, even more so than, I can't think of any other movie where it's been like this, this sort of outcry over the scenes of devastation and like, you know, the, the throwing people through skyscrapers-ness of, 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 of the whole movie, more so even than in other movies that are kind of trafficked in that imagery. I mean, like, do you think, is, is, that, is that kind of justified, this sort of, this, this sense of taking on this movie for that when plenty of other movies in the last 10, 12 years have done kind of similar stuff? You know, I think it's a really good thing to think about. I'm not as outraged um, by it um, as 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 others. I'm not calling for a, 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 a moratorium. I think that, like, to a point that you kind of put, I, I, like, you know, it's um, definitely seems that, like, it, it is the go-to imagery to make us feel something. And I feel, and, and so what? What? What do the movies trying to make us feel when it gives us this sort of like uh, emulates this sort of iconic imagery of skyscrapers collapsing? Is it? Is it? it you know, it's it's it, it feels like they're they're clearly asking to be viewed as some kind of allegory or metaphor for current events. Is this sort of? Um, uh, uh, way to sort of justify themselves in some kind of yes. way to feel that to, to, to give it a patina of respectability. It's this sort of like it's become a storytelling shorthand for the stakes of it all. Like buildings are going down, we're all going to die. You know, like it's unless this terrible person is stopped. You mm-hmm. know, um, mm-hmm. and there's just so much of it, and um, and uh, like. I, I kind of um, resist and reject sort of like the calls to like get rid of it completely because ultimately it's about whether or not a movie is internal reality earns it, you know, like, um, and so I don't want to take that off the table. I think there are a lot of other things as sort of a cliche way to express, you know, like stakes or desire or emotional responses that, that we should, if we're going to start getting rid of skyscrapers falling, we should you know, get rid of cigarette smoking acting as a way of expressing <laughs> internal angst or just sexual activity to express the idea that these two people love each other. You know, mm-hmm. can't, can't romantic comedies come up with more creative ways of giving us scenarios that show two people who love each other other than just having amazing sex? Like, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, it's, it's somewhat equivalent Kind of, you know, like it's 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 like there is something so haunting and harrowing about this imagery that is emblazoned on any sensitive human being, like of the past ten years. So that when the when the movies traffic in it, I understand the desire to want to um, just do right by that because yeah. we've all been hurt by it so much psychically that like if you're going to play to that for the sake of entertaining man you you better have something to back it up on and i don't think many movies do i'll give the avengers a free pass on it because the rest of it is just so good yeah. you know like um 
Man of Steel is just like, it's hard for me to be offended by it because there's just so much of it. After a while, I just come like, okay, come on. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, and you know, it is interesting though. I, I, I sort of, you know, I remember I was talking with, uh, you know, our own uh, beloved film critic, uh, Owen Gleiberman. I believe we were discussing Man of Steel, although it may have been Into Darkness. It, it, it was some, it was one of the recent movies where there's a lot of kind of devastation. And one thing he pointed out was just that, you know, during the Cold War, it's sort of the rough equivalent of during the Cold War complaining about, you know, a science fiction movie that in somehow, in some ways referenced, you know, the nuclear bomb or that in some ways referenced, you know, that kind of like situation. And it, it does, it feels weird to me just from the perspective of someone who likes movies to go to a movie and say, you know, how dare you utilize this imagery that is so kind of locked into a lot of our contemporary concerns. And it's also tricky because, you know, I... I sort of feel like whenever you start talking about the morality of art or the morality of entertainment, you're, you're kind of already walking into a sort of no-win zone because, you know, what is art? What is morality? What is the purpose of art? You know, all, all these questions that have no answers that are frankly kind of boring after a while. And it does – it feels weird to me to pick on – it, it, it feels weird to me to say, you know, a movie like this shouldn't do that. Again, and, and I guess here I've I've completely come around to your way of thinking, Jeff Jensen, is you should never say movies should and shouldn't do this or that. At the same time, I, I do think that, you know, to exactly what you're saying, if you are going to use this imagery that has so much weight, you kind of can't just use it as a gimmick. There does need to be... You can't just use that as a really easy way. You know, it's like you know uh, putting putting a dog in jeopardy. I mean, you know, that's that's an effective trope. If if you're just using that to get people like you know on board, or you know, it, that seems that seems lazy. But it, it feels it feels wrong to me to you know step up and say like oh like filmmakers shouldn't be allowed to use this that or the other thing. It, it, it's a, it's a little strange. I think that that sort of that line on the movie. There are so many other things to complain about when it comes to modern day blockbusters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that like for me, what you know, one of the things that's really most most interesting about like this genre of of of, of action hero movie, this unique genre of action hero movie, like in this decade into this new one that's basically expressed through superhero tropes and superhero material, because you know, like we were raised on you know. Bruce and Sly and um, and Mel and those action movie things. Well, th- these are the action movies of today. Yep. And it seems to like, and, and, and it seems that they all take as their subject the proper character of heroism. Mm-hmm. And I feel that like 9-11, but specifically our response to 9-11 has put these themes in play. And like, um, and and, and are, are worth thinking about. They're worth our kids thinking about. You know, it's worth reflecting on ourselves. I would say that I think that I've gotten the idea now. <laughs> you're, 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 you've, you've, you, you've had your fill at this point, is what you're saying. Right. I mean, like, you know, it's like I, I, I am never, you know, if, if you're going to give me another Avengers, which covers a lot of the same thematic material that many other superhero movies and good ones before it did, but it can be as wildly entertaining as Avengers. I'm going to be very like, okay, fine. You yeah. Know, like, yeah. You know, but like, but as sort of like movies that take on those themes as their tech, you know, as, as, as like, this is what our movie is about. Like, you know, they should be aware that, you know, been there, done that message received. What more do you got? You know, like how can you deepen all of this? Um, totally. Well, and you know, I, I, I think to your point also, it's easy to forget that, 
you know, it seems so easy to make a movie feel weighty or important or, you know, even just like, you know, interesting by doing the kind of scenes of great devastation. But, you know, I, I think that if you look at a lot of the, the sort of great superhero movies, a lot of the scenes that stick out aren't, aren't those. I mean, you know, the, the, the greatest special effect is still the human face, if you will. I mean, you know, when I think about, like, great moments... Nice, Derek. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I, I, was, I, was, I jotted that down five minutes ago. No, I, uh, I, I feel like, you know, in The Dark Knight, you know, certainly there are a lot of action scenes in there, but for me, you know, just the scene of Batman talking to the Joker in the interrogation room is what really kind of, like, you know, captivates me. And, you know, in, in the Iron Man films, which were sort of a hit or miss, you know, any scene with Robert Downey Jr. and, and Gwyneth Paltrow kind of bantering back and forth, like, you know... I, I think that it's so easy with movies like this and the bad ones especially show this to assume that you just need to have the devastation, the digital effects, all that stuff. But, you know, the, the, what makes them rise up, you know, is are the, the, you know, the kind of old fashioned things, you know, acting, storytelling, dialogue, you know, what they used to have in the old timey movie pictures, Jeff. <laughs> right. Yeah, but with that, with that said, and the, the, the example of Iron Man, uh, like you know, I, I I completely agree with you. But I would say that um, so this is where like scenes of devastation and violence come in handy dramatically, um, which is that you go to the Dark Knight and you think about those scenes with the Joker and Batman, whether it's the interrogation scene or the thing that completely like like I always think about when I think about that movie is their last meeting with the Joker hanging upside down but shot, you know, right side up and Mm -hmm. the vertiginous kind of feeling of like, you know, up is down, (laughs) down is up and and just uh, how completely screwed up that thing is. But what you you needed, you you know, if you didn't have the, the physical chaos that's created by the Joker, then it's just a crazy guy talking crazy talk. You yep. know, it's like, um, but you, you, you see where this guy who is making some kind of absolutely chilling sense, like, and then like what he's, what, what can come out of that logic, it just makes it, you know, e- even more chilling. So, um, like, I do have to say, just I, I feel like we're probably wearing out our, our conversation here. Um, um, so just just to um, re-energize it with 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 some needless scrappiness here. Oh no, Jeff, we've we've reached a point where we're calm, we're agreeable. This is a lovely conversation between friends. Right. Throw a throw a throw a grenade in here, Jeff. Let's let's get rid of all this happiness. I just have to say, I I'm just enough of I guess a sociopathic thug. To, uh, to 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 say, I, I kind of love the brutal ballet of superhero fights, and 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 I, I I agree that there are more there are there are fights that are more artful than others, and I think that in general they all should be grounded with some kind of emotion or ideas, and I think that there are huge swaths of Man of Steel that could have done it better, um, but but. There was also a lot of sort of like, you know, imagery within that that just, you know, you know, just just did it for me on a geek level. Totally. Like, like, as a, I, I like I immediately hyperlinked to Superman one and Superman two, especially Superman two. And I think about all of those fights and how even then as a kid, while it was giving me special effects spectacle that was impressive for the time, I was going that looks so fake. Yes. Like, 
like, like there's no way that that billboard that Superman is throwing across the city at, like, you know, Zod's uh, hussy chick sidekick. What was her name? I don't know. Uh, um, Fiora or something like that. I, something I something Kryptonian. Who I cares? <laughs> but, but Superman, too, like when, he th- when, when they're throwing, hucking billboards or flagpoles at each other, it's like, they wouldn't move that slow. They wouldn't look like totally. they are like, floating on wires across like a model set, you know? Like, yeah. Well, and, and, and we should be clear. I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't want to sound too pointy-headed. If all a superhero movie wants to do, putting aside all philosophical, moral, ethical questions, if all it wants to do is show me a really cool fight scene, I fully support that. I really enjoy pure action movies. I really enjoy well-made action movies. I really enjoy action... I mean, you know, Oh, listen, one of my favorite movies last year was The Raid Redemption, which is literally just a fairly unbroken sequence of fight scenes. The difference being they're filmed really well and really interestingly. And to be honest, it's weird, actually, because Zack Snyder is known as an action guy. I, my, my, what I remember from the movie are a lot of the kind of still scenes. You know, like there was, there was sort of the joke that this was sort of like, like the Terrence Malick version of Superman. But he's very good at bringing kineticism to not kinetic moments. The weird thing is, when it gets to the action, it just it, it again it, it's it's just a slog. Just visually, it's not that interesting. And so I think that you know that's where you're kind of left with. Well, if the action isn't cool, and the deep thought stuff isn't cool, you know you're kind of left waiting for Kevin Costner to come back on screen at, at some point. Um, but yeah, I listen. If they if if they get someone who can actually film two people in a fight for for Man of Steel two, completely on board. Completely on board. <laughs> Right. Yeah, I, mean, I think we agree that like the second one will no doubt. I, I think it, it can't help but be better than the first. Uh, um, and, and you know, I, look, I like. Let's not. Uh, Zack Snyder is a filmmaker that I've interviewed many times, and I like a lot. Sure. Um, so it's hard for me not to feel a little defensive about all of this, and I shouldn't be probably, but but there you go. Look, I think that there's another thing to think about with movies like this, and I think we don't give it enough like talk about, which is like like screenplay dynamics, you know, mm-hmm. like like which is that like this movie, like these the way these movies are made, the fir- one of the first considerations they they know they're going to spend a lot of money like on this movie they know that they have to i mean that's probably where the mistake begins like we're going to spend 250 million dollars <laughs> so they look to models about what works and what has worked and, and 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 they have a science about like what works box office wise like um um with with stuff like this and so when when you get into models like these they have certain characteristics that studios punt to which mm-hmm. is okay then Who's your force of antagonism? What are the stakes? What's going to happen if the hero doesn't save the day? And when you're talking about $250 million action movies, typically then these answers all end up being the same, which is that like the the force of antagonism just has to be the most evil psychopathic guy that um, that, that you can think of. Like the stakes, the destruction of the world, um, what doesn't happen? What, what happens if if, 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 if if the hero doesn't succeed? We all die, you know. Yeah. So, 
Um, and what, what, then what happens in this movie is that this very clearly is set So this needs to be clearly set up, like, in the beginning of the movie. So, you know, that the audience knows right away what the stakes are. And then so, yeah, you get this, like, moment where Zod, you know, basically swears vengeance on all of Kryptonian culture. And the minute he gets sucked up into the Phantom Zone, into the Black Zero and all that, like, um, you know exactly... What, what, what he's going to do and what's at stake, especially if you know anything about Superman's origin story. You're just kind of waiting around for Zod to show up. And, 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 and what's kind of problematic then from a script level, I think, is that they find themselves with a problem where they get to what, like page 100 of a script or something like that, and they need to get Zod back into the movie mm-hmm. and begin the end game to the end of the movie. And then like, and, and so when, when, when Zod comes back in, like, like, um, um, he, he, t- he literally, just as he takes the world hostage, he takes the movie hostage, the mm-hmm. force of antagonism. T- t- and so the movie then only becomes exclusively about solving the problem of the force of antagonism. And because they have another hour of screen time to fill, like, it's like, oh, like another 50 minutes of screen time to fill. It's like, well, what are we going to do with this time? Like, fight! Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I think that's kind of like, it's like, is it, you know, like, like, you know, this is a very kind of like, I saw the movie four or five weeks ago. Like, I'm not being very scientific about this. I'd love to kind of, like, use this as a case study of this sort of, like, hypothesis <laughs> I'm throwing out here. But, like, is the act, is the nonstop onslaught of action in the end of this movie a symptom, a consequence of sort of like a screenplay problem of like? Oh, kind I, of like, I, I, I think you're completely right. I, I mean, to be honest, I, I feel almost bad for ragging on Snyder so much. I, I think that the problems with this movie are very much rest, first of all, in the screenplay, but I think to your point also, this just feels like such a kind of market tested studio film in this way that I, you know, and to everything you're saying, I sort of get the sense that a lot of people, at least, you know, that I talk to, certainly not maybe the mass moviegoers, there's a sort of depressing sameness to a lot of the blockbusters that are being made this year specifically. Maybe it's, maybe it's the same way, you know, everyone in the media is always kind of doomsaying. There's plenty of good movies on the horizon. There's no need to freak out too much. But I do sort of feel as if this is the year where, you know, I just feel like with a movie like Man of Steel, maybe we need to just stop thinking about it in the same manner that we think about, you know, movies of the past, because it is, it's, it is a product. And I I think to your point, it is a sort of factory tested studio approved. Let's kind of sand off all the edges and make sure this plays equally well around the world. And that's totally fine. I mean, I, I, I think it's, it's silly to criticize someone for wanting to make a lot of money and succeeding, but I do sort of feel as if, you know, yeah, when, the quote-unquote problems with it are just that, you know, yes, they set out to make it, you know, perfectly, you know, perfectly like that other thing you sort of liked before, and they succeeded. Well, you know, maybe there's not that much left to say about the movie. And, I, you know, that's, I, I, I feel as if, you know, then we sort of reach into this weird inside baseball thing where it's like, well, of course we talk about the movie because, you know, we have to. It's, it's a big movie. It is interesting. We've read a lot of Superman stuff. It's fun to talk about it in that context. But maybe it's just not, maybe it's not a real movie anymore. I don't know. I, 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 I do think that you are right, though, that it, it's wrong to sort of blame our 
particular dislike of this movie on any one person when it may just be the system, if you will. I'm right. I mean, there's, there's, <laughs> yeah, and, and, but we don't know, right? Yeah. But like, it, but and I agree with everything that you say, and the thought that immediately came to mind is that now, sort of like what becomes artistically interesting about these movies isn't the greater whole, but just like what, like. What little, what few opportunities does a filmmaker have within that larger sort of like cookie cutter, like, you know, model that they have to adhere to to score some interesting points, yep. speak in some interesting theme, themes, put in an interesting scene while ultimately serving the, the larger pattern that it has to follow. Um, that's kind of disappointing. I mean, like, you know, you, you know, uh, like, you, like, I, I don't know when the last time a filmmaker came along and kind of reinvented the wheel in such a way that, like, at least created a new kind of wheel for everyone to emulate. But, like, I do think of, like, Christopher Nolan's Batman Begins movie, which was sort of a whole different approach to a Superman origin story, a yep. superhero origin story, and it felt very fresh, um, and it felt very interesting, and, um, and, 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 and similarly with The Dark Knight, like, um, you know, it's... You know, someone's going to do it. That's what I have faith in. You know, yep. like as we as we are having this conversation, um, we're coming about a couple of days after where Steven Spielberg and George Lucas gave this big talk at the new film departments at USC, I believe, or dedicating some new buildings. And I think they kind of made some headlines by saying that basically that the movie industry is going to quote unquote implode, and how that's going to happen is there are going to be a series of like two hundred fifty million dollar movies that are just going to fail, mm -hmm. and They'll, they're probably made with every bit of market-tested provenness that we're talking about here, and they won't work, and they will, 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 will crash the industry. And I like that that's a really sad, doomsday, apocalyptic way of thinking. Um, and whenever I hear talk like that, then I immediately look for that one film that's coming down the road that will completely reinvent everything and then, like, give us hope. You yes. know what I mean? Yes, like, which in this case is, is probably Pacific Rim. <laughs> <laughs> Monsters! Monsters! Monsters, robots, the future. Yeah, but, you know, Jeff, I, I will say, before we end this on a, a sort of doom, uh, you know, nihilistic uh, note, whenever I sort of get frustrated about that, and I, I think that these frustrations are to a certain extent as old as the movie industry itself, this concern that the movie industry is not what it used to be, you know, it's it's failing, they aren't making as many interesting films. I sort of remember that, you know, this year, you know, I've seen movies that are, different than anything I've seen before, that are better than anything I've seen before, that are just very unique. You know, I think about Room 237, I think about Upstream Color, I, I think about Spring Breakers, quite frankly. And, you know, just the fact that those movies aren't Hollywood movies and the fact that they aren't, you know, being made within the industry doesn't mean that, you know, the m movies as an art form aren't still really interesting. You know, it's it's really just sad because as someone who grew up reading comics, I I'd like to think that superhero movies are at the forefront of the movie art and not necessarily in some upper weird echelon of, you know, product franchising and stuff. But, you know, it's... It's, it seems to me as if what movies are is becoming more complicated, not less complicated, which is you know pro probably all to the good, I think, right? Hopefully. Do I sound kind of as agnostic as Superman and Man of Steel? <laughs> what did I tell you about bringing Jesus in? <laughs> I can't think of a better place to end on than that. <laughs> 
Uh, Jeff, I, I, I think, I think, have we, have we done Man of Steel to death? Is, is there anything else? Are, are there any other grenades you, you want to throw my way so we can end this on, on a really sour note? <laughs> <laughs> Bottom line, I liked it. Yep, yep. Bottom line, I hated it. Um, uh, everyone thank you for listening if you've been listening to all of this you should definitely tweet at us any of your thoughts especially if you think we are totally stupid or probably I'm totally stupid it's twitter at Darren Franich and at EW Doc Jensen because he went to university this has been Entertainment Geekly we shall return at some point in the future as always I'm Darren Franich I'm Jeff Good night, everyone